Michigan with another easy victory over some high school team. Shea Patterson with a record-breaking performance, and the Hoosiers are waiting. I'm Adam Amble, and this is The M Factor. Welcome back, Michigan fans, to The M Factor Live coming to you from the M Factor Studios right here in downtown Jackson, Michigan. We have a great show for you tonight. Michigan just dominates Rutgers. I, I mean, Michigan State. Sorry about that. I guess it was hard to tell the difference besides the colors, right? We will recap the game, go over D'Antonio's future, and what does that season finale game look like at this moment? We will also go over other Big Ten action, preview a tough Indiana game, Uh, proven to be a little tougher than we expected, and, of course, this week's rival annoyance. But first, thanks again for tuning in to The M Factor on Facebook Live. Be sure to comment and share throughout the episode, and give me your thoughts and opinions so we can discuss it right here and right now. Don't be bashful. If you are catching this episode via podcast after the show, be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or SoundCloud and subscribe to The M Factor Make sure to leave us a good review and, as always, a five-star rating to help us skyrocket the M-Factor in the rankings so us Wolverine fans can take over the college football podcast world. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate it. Be sure to hit that share button so we can get all of us and all of us college football fans involved. That is the point of the M-Factor. So with that, let's get episode 11 live on Facebook rolling again. Thanks for joining everyone. It was a great, great weekend. Uh, Topic one is the Michigan State game recap. Of course, thanks for joining. We start off with uh, just a recap of that beautiful, majestic, and dominating performance by the Wolverines this past Saturday at the Big House as they take down our past rival, you might say, Michigan State, 44 to 10, and it was just awesome. I'm sure a lot of you Sparty fans really enjoyed it as well. A gorgeous day in Ann Arbor, maybe a little chilly for some of the fans that made their way out, 112,000 people in the big house, but the sun was out, blue skies, and so was the talent of Shea Patterson. We had a watch party here at the M Factor Studios. Girlfriend was in town, a bunch of friends in attendance. So it was it was almost perfect, folks. Before we get into some of the game topics, let's review some of the stats real quick in the box to, box scores, so we can really see what uh, what the matchup really was in this in this uh, this debacle for Michigan State, which really their whole season has been. Uh, we, we take a look at first off the overall stats and, you know, first downs, Michigan, 25 to 16, Michigan just pretty much dominated the the whole game, except for that opening drive. We'll get into some of the, the thoughts on the game here after the stats, but total yards, Michigan, again, dominating ever since the, the second quarter of Penn state, we'll get into this stat a little bit later, but ever since Penn state, they, uh, the second quarter of Penn state, that is, they have just been dominating in total yards. 467 to 220, 220 for Michigan State. Well, hey, it, you know, at least that was a little better than their, what, 97 yards last year that they had of total offense. Good job, Sparty. Good improvement, good improvement. We'll give you that. Passing Michigan, 
all day long. Shea Patterson, I mentioned it in the intro, all day long was Shea Patterson just fantastic, except for that opening drive maybe. But even then, 384 passing yards for the Wolverines to 166 for Sparty. Way to go, Sparty. Lewerke just proving my point all season long, the fact that he is just terrible. He is not a good quarterback. He never has been. Severely overrated. He's been When he was good, he was facing very, very, uh, very mediocre defenses, if not terrible. So don't forget that. Rushing, Michigan didn't have to rush the ball. I'll get into this adaptation that we, that we saw from Michigan and something that I really like from Gaddis uh, a little later as well. But uh, rushing, 83 yards for Michigan, 54 for the Spartans. One aspect of the game we did lose in, and it was it could be a problem. It'll definitely be a problem against Ohio State, but that is nine penalties for 91 yards. I felt personally that the, the, the officiating wasn't terrible, was not terrible. There was not a lot of terrible calls. Michigan State played very, very dirty, and the officials caught it. So I, I, very, I wasn't very disappointed in the officiating from last Saturday's game. But penalties, nine for 91 yards for Michigan, seven penalties for 93 yards for Michigan State. Onward to the next one, turnovers. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. We've been t- we've, we all have been saying it all year long, right? All the experts, myself, all you Michigan fans have been stating it. Turnovers are going to win or lose us the games, and it has proven true to this day, to this day. Two turnovers for Michigan State, only one for Michigan. Great job, Michigan, on not turning the ball over, winning that turnover battle. Remember, that was one of the M factors from last week that I mentioned. We have to win the turnover battle. I thought we, I thought we needed zero. We had one. It was, you know, it was a fumble, so uh, we we were able to luck out and win that turnover battle. Great job, Michigan. Uh, time of possession was pretty equal, almost identical to each other. Thirty minutes and five seconds for Michigan State. Michigan at 29.55. Now let's get into the actual uh, the actual box score, and this is where we get into some of the individual play, right, where we really get to pick on Brian Lewerke. Seven of, 17 of 30 for 166 yards. Way to go, Lewerke. Uh, Shea Patterson, as we mentioned, just had a awesome, awesome game, setting the single-season record. For a Michigan quarterback against a Michigan State squad for yardage, he was 24 of 33, 384 yards for four touchdowns and zero interceptions. That's the big one, folks. Zero interceptions and zero fumbles. Don't forget that. That's the big one. We don't want those fumbles. Those fumbles are what really, really, really killed us. Uh, thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, uh, JJ, I, I saw you were at the game, buddy. Uh, the stadium was rocking. Loved it. Oh, I'm sure it was. I can't imagine how how great it was. Uh, let me know how the temperature was out there, buddy. I'm sure you didn't feel anything, especially if you had a few adult cocktails before the game, which I'm sure you did. Uh, but moving on to the rushing again, we, we didn't need the rushing game. The we didn't need the rushing game. So Giles Giles Jackson out of nowhere was our was our leading rusher at 32 yards. All day Charbonnet with 30 yards. True Wilson got 10 carries, 10 touches for 26 yards, and Hassan Haskins with. 13 yards and you know so again nothing to write home about with the actual uh, rushing statistics here's where we really get into the uh, meat and potatoes right this is Michigan receiving core what a great game what a great game Ronnie Bell glad to see it glad to have him back and and really you know he deserves all the credit that he has been getting the last couple weeks after that uh after what he had to endure after the Penn State game. But Ronnie Bell with nine receptions, 150 yards, 
Don, uh, DPJ with four receptions, 48 yards. He had that touchdown catch. Uh, Sean McKeon, great to see him back. Great to see the tight ends in action. That really helps. That's, that's kind of our bread and butter as well, right? Picking up those tight ends. And he had 46 yards. Nico Collins with three receptions for 45 yards and a touchdown. And Cornelius Johnson out of nowhere. Uh, we had some guys in there that, that had never seen the field. And all of a sudden, Cornelius Johnson gets in there with a touchdown catch. So awesome job by the receiving court. Awesome job by Shea Patterson. We'll get into this in the M-Factors. Uh, Shea Patterson stepping up and uh, really spreading the ball around. On the defense, it was Jordan Glasgow again. Boy, what a great! Uh, not, I don't want to say surprise because you know we we kind of knew he was going to be going to be solid, but what a great great season he is having. He had eight. He led the team with eight tackles. Metellus was six. Amber Thomas was six. Michael Dano with six, and then Kalik Hudson with five. And uh, we had a couple sacks on the day. Uh, Carlo Kemp, one and a half sacks. And Jordan Glasgow with a half a sack. Only two sacks on the day. But uh, the pressure on the quarterback was very impressive. Uh, the pressure on Lewerke really helped. And, I mean, not that you need to pressure him. It was, uh, uh, you know, it's Lewerke. So you can let him stand back there. And basically, uh, besides that first series again, where all of a sudden Michigan State came out, as they normally do uh, against Michigan, just uh, with all that adrenaline, and boy, did that run out fast, right? Uh, Michigan interceptions, LaVert Hill had an INT, Henry Thomas with an INT as well. Kick returns, Giles Jackson only had two for uh, 30 yards, but still, I mean, he had a 17-yard return, so that's uh, 15 yards a return. Punt returns, uh, only three. Uh, of course, we blocked that punch, which was huge. Way to go, special teams. That was solid, and DPJ with two returns. 458 yards. He had that long 50-yard return. Again, excellent job by the special teams. We we I, I don't mention them in the M factors, but great job by the special teams, especially blocking that punt. Making uh, uh also um don't forget Quinn Nordine had a, a that long of 49, three for three on field goals. So I can't uh, I I apologize to the special teams, uh, especially because they were such a big part of the game and really turned the tide, especially on that block punt. That was huge. And honestly, that Quinn Nordine field goal that long. 49-yard field goal, that that was kind of a good jump too. So great job. Punting, we only had one punt, one punt. The, I can't emphasize this enough on how good the offense is playing. We'll get into that right here, right now. Uh, those are the stats. Again, thanks for watching, everyone. Please comment, share, make sure you like, uh, and uh, don't be bashful. Uh, JJ Temp wasn't as bad as expected. Our section was awesome. We stood most of the game, of course. I, I hope so. That's uh, that's my boy. Uh, we you should. Uh, you know, I don't like the Michigan fans that tell you to sit down during the games. It's a football game. Yeah, but uh, sometimes that's the crowd, right? But let's get into some of the game thoughts. MSU rolling off the bus with their helmets on. I tell you what, this Michigan State, Michigan State is just incredibly easy to dislike. Are they not? I mean, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Everything from their fight songs to their god awful uniforms that they've been wearing. What what is up with those neon those neon green numbers and their their helmets and the the little Sparty logo that's neon green with regular green. Sometimes they wear like all white unis with white socks and white cleats. Their field is grass. They got oh just all my rival annoyances go just bundled into one, and it's just annoying. How annoying can that be? Allison, thanks for uh, tuning in. My younger sister, Allison, watch party at Steve's and Lori's was rocking too. Of course, you know, everywhere was kind of rocking on Saturday. Uh, good to get. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for commenting, guys. But 
this Michigan State squad, not just this one, but Michigan State football is just so incredibly easy to dislike. From all the points that I made, go back and listen to episode one. My rival annoyance is most of the time about Michigan State, and there's a reason for that, folks. They roll off the bus with their helmets on, and they do their typical, uh, what is it, their 100-yard march or whatever down the field. It's just, it's so disgusting. How awesome was it last year when Devin Bush was just cleating up the field and didn't move for him? Heck no. Heck no. They do that on purpose. Uh, And, you know, congrats to D'Antonio. Obviously, it didn't work this time, but tried to play those head games. But they get off the bus. Uh, JJ, actually, I think I saw your your Instagram post there uh, with, with Michigan State getting off the bus. Nothing but just no class whatsoever. And then Michigan gets off the bus all suited up. Uh, looking good, looking classy. So it, uh, just another reason to dislike Michigan State. Now, second game thought was the slow start for the Wolverines. I'm sure most of the, uh, all of you fans were kind of thinking the same thing that we were here at the M Factor Studios, and that was, oh boy, here we go again. Michigan with a kind of a, a lackluster first series. Uh, Shea Patterson did have that nice scramble in completing that pass, but uh, that was, hopefully that wasn't uh, what we we were uh, you know, hopefully that's luckily that wasn't we that was not what we saw later in the game or that wasn't foreshadowing because obviously he turned it up. But <clears throat> excuse me, obviously he turned it up and then Michigan State out of nowhere comes down Lewerke just throwing dimes, which uh, you'll never hear me say except for against Michigan, most likely. But Lewerke just throwing dimes, and absolutely they come out just on fire. Of course, you know, again, we're thinking this is a typical Michigan-Michigan State game as we warned everyone, as we warned each other, right, as Michigan fans. We knew Michigan State was going to bring their A game, and sadly, I think they did bring their A game, just they are just that terrible, and Michigan is just as as really uh, went over the the edge or crossed the – went over the hump and is now uh, that just that much better than Michigan State. My third game thought is the play of Shea Patterson. What a game. What a game. Again, as I mentioned earlier, all-time yardage record for a Michigan QB against Michigan State. And no INTs. That is the big one. He was scrambling. He was stepping up in the pocket. He was throwing a very accurate pass. There's only one that I really was disappointed in, and that was where he made a great move to scramble out and then kind of misled I forget who it was, but uh, he had nothing but green ahead of him. Probably would have scored a touchdown, but nothing but green ahead of him and and really kind of just threw it, and the, the guy made a great catch. So, uh, but, but Shea Patterson, overall, great game. He himself has improved since that second quarter of the Penn State game. So props to Shea Patterson. Fourth point, wide receivers. The wide receivers all game long. A lot of you probably didn't know to this. JJ, maybe you did What since you were at the game. But watching those wide receivers finally running hard routes all game long. Every single play they were out there running hard routes, good routes, crisp routes. And that is something that you haven't seen all year from the Michigan wide receivers. Don't forget, they're they're touted as having three, maybe four NFL wide receivers on that team. And finally, we are starting to use them. Finally, we are starting to get into it. So that is fantastic. Great job by the wide receivers. Nine different receivers had a reception on Saturday. Nine different receivers. One, that's props to Shea Patterson, right? Great for him. And two, 
that is props to the receivers always running routes and it kind of it kind of gives them a incentive to run those routes hard right because you know as, as a wide receiver i can see where it gets frustrating every single play running a nice crisp route burning your energy and not getting the ball right not getting the ball even when you know you're open you know we we experienced that what back in elementary school uh if you weren't quarterback you you were one uh, running wide receivers you were always open right it seemed like you were always open well shea patterson did a great job of finding the receivers and rewarding these wide receivers for running these crisp routes it's something that i noticed it's something that i was very impressed with something that i have not seen all season so great job for the wide receivers on running those routes and keep it up we got to keep it up especially for these last two games of the season right second for the wide receivers is the blocking downfield finally Boy, was it dismal, especially against Wisconsin. Remember, it was almost like they were giving up, for crying out loud. It was almost like they were giving up against Wisconsin. And <clears throat> and against Michigan State, and to be honest with you, I noticed it a little bit against uh, Notre Dame for certain because of our running game. But the blocking downfield by the wide receivers was spot on. Spot on by every single wide receiver. Not only were they playing hard, running hard routes, running crisp routes, but they were blocking downfield. How many times did you see the camera pan into view and there was a wide receiver blocking downfield? It was fantastic. It was awesome. I mean, it was it was, uh, it was was great to see. That is what's going to get these wide receivers drafted too, to be honest with you. You can show you can, you can play hard when you don't get the ball. It's going gonna, it's gonna to improve your draft stock and it's going to help this Michigan squad. Great job. Uh, great job by every single wide receiver. I can't name a wide receiver that I didn't notice uh, that I noticed uh, just taking a playoff. So awesome. Uh, next point is winning the turnover battle. Of course, winning the turnover battle has been huge all year long. I mentioned it earlier. That was one of the keys of the game. And it, it is something that we have to do the rest of the season if we want to win these games. I'm going to say we need zero turnovers against Ohio State. Let me know what you guys think. But we're going to need zero against Ohio State and maybe one or two, maybe three from them. We'll get into that a little later, but we're going to need we're going to need to definitely win that that turnover battle and uh, also against Indiana. They're no slouch this year. So winning the turnover battle, that's an obvious. Next one, the only negative that I really that I that I really uh, witnessed last Saturday and that was not being able to run in between the tackles. But that turned into a positive because that showed me something that I will, of course, get into a little later, and that is the fact that they seem to switch it up from against uh, Notre Dame, right? Against Notre Dame, they could run the ball. They didn't need they didn't need to switch it up. Run, run, run. Do what's working for you. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel, right? When something's working, keep it going. Keep it going. There was no reason for them to run because they could pass the whole the whole time. Great, and here's that word, folks. Great adaptation from Gaddis. It's great to see him make good adjustments from game to game remember you're you're every game is different so every opponent is different every opponent is different on how they're going to approach you and it's great that Gaddis was able to adapt we have not seen that from Harbaugh in the last four years right we have not seen that so I thought it was great the fact that we finally see a little bit of okay we're not one-dimensional we don't have to try to be hard-nosed bow bow style football and jam it down people's throats like we did against Notre Dame it worked against Notre Dame no reason to pass the ball in that slop right but against Michigan State, here we go. Running, okay, it was a little difficult, especially that first possession, second possession. Okay, let's let's air it out. Let's use that speed and space that we have heard about all season long. These wide receivers are fantastic. They are NFL talents. So finally, we were able to do that. Great job, Gaddis, on making those good adjustments. <clears throat> 
So thanks for joining everyone. Uh, JJ with 100% agree. The big three receivers have been running lazy routes all year. Nice to see them step up. Ronnie is still the best, uh, the best route runner, hands down. Couldn't agree more. Um, there, there, I, I think a lot of people have noticed that. Uh, and, and that's why I thought it was just disgusting, the the dislike and the, the stuff that he had to go through after that Penn State game. So great point, JJ. Again, thanks everyone else for joining. Make sure to comment. Make sure to put in your opinions. I'll try to read them on air if I see them, but uh, really appreciate everyone joining. Let's get into the M factors from last Saturday uh, here on the M factor, right? First one goes to, of course, my boy Shea Patterson stepping up and easily playing his best game in a Michigan jersey. I think he was able to finally silence the critics, in my opinion. I know he shut me up uh, for certain. Uh, I was kind of getting on that McCaffrey bandwagon, as were most of my uh, most of my friends and uh, most of my friends and family uh, earlier this year. But uh, he, I think he kind of silenced everyone after this game. Uh, first off, avoiding the sacks. Finally, you know, avoiding the sacks is huge, especially when that that offensive line was kind of struggling. And Michigan State's front four is is not a bad group. You know, the, normally they're they're the best in the Big Ten, but uh, it was great to see Shea finally able to escape and get outside the pocket, avoid those sacks, make good decisions when he does do that. Especially, except for the one again, the first drive. I alluded to that first drive all the time because there was that one time he had like, uh, I think it was the second play of the game where he had literally six, seven seconds to throw the ball and still couldn't get rid of it. And they, of course, we were all like, oh boy, here we go, here we go. But uh, making those good decisions, no INTs, remember, no INTs, no fumbles, and spreading the ball around. Spreading the ball around to those weapons. Those weapons are huge, folks. We've been saying it all year. They, they were saying it in the preseason. These wide receivers are hands up, are one of the best receiving cores in the country, they, they say. Now they just need the quarterback to get it to them, right? And Shea did that all game last Saturday, spreading the ball around and throwing very well while scrambling. I mentioned this earlier. There was only one real play where I thought that he was very inaccurate. And I, I really was like, Oh, Ooh, that was a bad pass, but he did elude the, the rush and he was throwing very well on the run. So first M factor, second M factor goes to Ronnie bell. Totally deserves it. Nine receptions, 150 yards. And it was, <clears throat> it was what he did when we didn't have the ball. Remember, it was what he did when he didn't have the ball. J.J. alluded to it earlier as well as I did. Running the routes, he is the most crisp route runner on the squad, and that's saying something with that group for for certain. Uh, he, he deserves the credit, and he also deserves a pat on the back for what he had to endure since that Penn State game. I'm extremely happy for him. Uh, great game and great job by Shea Patterson to get him the rock. And those are my two M factors on the game. Really not, there's, there's really no negative M factor from last Saturday. So let's move on to topic two, and that is the future of D'Antonio. I know we're all dying to get to this so we can just bash the crap out of him, but I just don't want to bash D'Antonio. <laughs> I'm kind of lying, but uh, again, thanks for joining everyone to the M factor live here on Facebook. Uh, appreciate everyone joining. Make sure to leave your opinions. Make sure to share this. Make sure to uh, comment, like everything. I uh, really appreciate you joining in, but let's move on to again, the future of D'Antonio. Now, was he uh, on the hot seat before this game? I, I mean, I, I don't think so. I don't think D'Antonio will ever be on the hot seat. And again, let me know your guys' thoughts as well, but I don't think he'll ever be on the hot seat. He will not get fired. He'll have to leave on his own accord, right? Uh, he is way too tight with Izzo. 
and the AD up there in East Lansing. There, there's no way, uh, based on his past, uh, that he will ever get fired. The only way that I can see him get fired is if some major scandal is uncovered or if he really starts to embarrass the university. And, and no, I'm not talking about embarrassing the university by his record as a football coach. No, 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 no. Cause he's, I think he's done that a few times, but, uh, he needs to, to watch out how he handles these sports reporters and journalists. I mean, after the game again, just, just nothing, just nothing from him. I think he swore to a reporter earlier this year, tell him what kind of almost like a, a Lloyd Carr at halftime a couple of years. Remember, uh, uh, when he was so coach, like, what kind of stupid question is that? But uh, he kind of threw out a, uh, a cuss word there, uh, did dad Tonio. So not uh, he's been like this for years been very standoffish with sports reporters and journalists and just not uh you know you don't pay him to be a likable guy but you cannot embarrass the university like that so that that could be something to watch out for now i know he holds grudges uh one of my favorite uh, podcasts to listen to myself is the huge show and uh huge has a bunch of michigan state uh coaches on izzo's been on many times and uh, once huge uh, criticized D'Antonio for allowing um, felons or or players with uh, that that were in some criminal activity um, to play and practice, uh, huge was rather uh, uh, he was rather uh, you know he had his opinion on the head of course and D'Antonio didn't care much for that so D'Antonio's never been on his show and he, he still hasn't that was years ago years ago so it's just something that I noticed you know I don't know D'Antonio personally of course but uh, judging by his his attitude and his just just he just doesn't seem like a very happy person but he's not paid to be right he's not paid to be now let's ask another question does he want to stay um uh, JJ uh, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning why would anyone ever want to play for that guy, such a miserable demeanor. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It just doesn't seem, no wonder he can't get four or five star recruits, right? But uh, does he want to stay? Next season, they have a brutal schedule to start. I don't know if any of you guys have actually looked at their schedule. I mean, why would you? Who gives a rip about Michigan State's schedule? But listen to this, guys. They actually open up against Northwestern. Uh, that is at home. But, oh, my gosh, it's actually on a Saturday, you guys. Actually, on a Saturday, they're playing with the big boys next year on opening day. So good job, Michigan State. You're, you're already moving up in my book. Uh, finally not playing where when all the high school squads play on Friday night. But uh, uh, Northwestern at BYU, that could be a loss. Northwestern could certainly be a loss, right? Northwestern, uh, boy, what a dismal year they're having. But then again, it shows Michigan State, right? Uh, they got at BYU. That's probably a loss. BYU is a tough squad. Toledo, more than likely a win. Miami, Florida, they get them at home, luckily. They got at Iowa. They get Michigan early, and then they get Ohio State early. Wow, what a gauntlet uh, going into middle of October. Good Lord. Uh, that, that's a possible, like, 2-5 and five start to the season, depending on if they can even somehow land a, a QB that's worth a dime, right? Uh, Allison uh, stating, I think he should be fired. I mean, he doesn't even look like he enjoys it anymore that's exactly right actually did he ever look happy that's exactly you know that's kind of just my last question Allison on does he really want to stay that uh you know I kind of just answered that does he really want to because next year does not look good does not look good for him so watch out folks now let's get into some of the uh, Michigan fan opinions that I've been uh that I've that I've been reading on Twitter and uh, doing a little research on. Uh, Mom, uh, thanks for thanks for tuning in, Mom. He never looks happy. That's absolutely right. Um, let's see. Uh, just for Michigan fans' opinion, 
please stay. Please stay. We uh, here at the M Factor Sewers, we're all just wishing for him to stay because this is the the downward spiral of Michigan State. And to be honest with you, I don't even think it's their downward spiral. I think they're the exact same. Just every other team is uh, every other team in the Big Ten is just finally getting back to to being strong. Right? This is this is always what Michigan State football has been. But as as I mentioned last week, major players in the Big Ten were down. Good job on, on on getting us when we're down, right? Congratulations, you got that you got that Rose Bowl win. Good job, Michigan State. Way to take advantage. Uh, Michigan Mich- Michigan State can no longer compete. I just don't see them competing when the Big Ten is this strong. I'm sorry, I don't. Uh, back to they're just going to be back to being in the middle tier with Illinois Northwestern squads. And uh, I'll move on to my opinion personally. I also want him to stay so we can really see how good of coach he actually is against a solid Big Ten conference. Again, he's still going to recruit. I had an argument with uh, my buddy Big Joe on Saturday. I said he has always just rec- been able to recruit two, three-star. And that's actually one of the things that I gave him props for, was able to take these three, uh, two, three, four, uh, sometimes four-star recruits and turn them into actually a good squad, which I thought was a good squad. Um, he just can't do that anymore because now he is actually facing Michigan, Penn State, uh, squads that actually are getting four or five star recruits and, uh, and actually are, have great coaches. So I really want to see how good he actually is. And I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't think it's that great. Again, the luxury of playing Michigan and Penn State when they were at literally the very bottom of their program, right? The little, the, the worst that they have ever been in the history of their programs, uh, that really it really complimented D'Antonio. Obviously, he struck while the iron was hot, right? He did take advantage of that. But let's face it, MSU is MSU is not the biggest game of the year for most Big Ten teams. That's obvious. That is obvious. Their brand is weak in football, plain and simple. Now, basketball, that's another story. We can have an argument about that, but it's not basketball season. I know a lot of you Michigan State fans are already looking forward to, to basketball season, even after – uh, you lost your first game of the season against Kentucky, but let's face it, they're just the brand just isn't there. Now, Michigan is an A-plus brand, an A-plus brand. They're right up there with, uh, I'm not saying they're an A-plus team, A-plus talent, A-plus program. I'm saying they're an A-plus brand from the university to every kind of athletics, but football is the cream of the crop at Michigan, and Michigan is an A-plus brand, hence why every single Big Ten team circles that game on the schedule at the beginning of the year and always brings their A game. Remember, Michigan is the Super Bowl for most of these smaller schools. And most are not smaller, but most of these weaker schools in the Big Ten. So uh, I, I really want D'Antonio to stay because I want to see what he's made of, to be honest with you. And also, I think that it uh, it's not going to turn out well for him, uh, especially after that tough schedule that they got at the start of next season. Good Goodness gracious. Uh, CRL, thanks for joining in. Uh, Based uh, D'Antonio, I feel he looks uh, um, contemplated at or uh, contemplating at times. He maybe is practicing for his next career as the face for X Lax. Sorry, constipated. Sorry, the 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 screen's a little far away. Good call, Ciaro. He looks constipated at times. Good call. That's oh, that's rough. Boy, Ciaro coming in with the hacks right now. Oh, I see a lot of people enjoy that one. So uh, good call. He does. He does at times. So let's go into uh, topic four again. Thanks for joining everyone to the M Factor Live right here on Facebook. We are uh, going over the 
the the shellacking of Michigan State from last weekend. And uh, thanks for joining again. Be sure to comment, share, and uh, I'd really like to hear your guys' opinions. I'll try to read them on air as usual. Let's get into other Big Ten action from last weekend. And that is Ohio State just crushed Rutgers, as expected, 56-21. to 21. A lot of 21 points, which was weird. But let's face it, they obviously had uh, their third string probably uh, by the time the, 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 what, the third quarter hit. Uh, that's, that's my guess anyway. Uh, it was Wisconsin over Nebraska, 30, uh, 37-21. Pardon me. No big surprise there. Northwestern with a huge, huge win against UMass, 45-6. Boy, only the second win for Northwestern this year. What a disappointing year for them. Uh, Michigan State might have their hands full next year at the start of the season, though, with Northwestern, right? On Saturday. Don't forget, folks. Just I just want to let you know. It's not on Friday next year. Saturday. Uh, Iowa was able to hand P.J. Fleck and Minnesota their first loss of the season. That was kind of expected. 23-19. Uh, to 19. Boy, that Florida State job probably looking pretty good for PJ Fleck, right? I think he has like a something like a four million dollar buyout. Uh, if someone knows, let me know. Uh, uh, prove me wrong there, but uh, boy, that uh, that job is looking pretty good. Great job by PJ Fleck this year, and uh, you know, sadly, our Big Ten title hopes mathematically were were pretty much crushed by uh, Penn State surviving a very questionable fake punt call by Indiana and winning thirty four twenty seven. Uh, great fight by Indiana. Great fight by Indiana. They're going. It's it's going to be a hell of a game this Saturday, as usual. Um, I I have no doubt. Uh, I'm a, a little worried about it, but uh, but once once we lost to Penn State, we needed three losses out of them and uh, a loss by OSU before we played them. And uh, of course, we would have had to handle our business as well. But uh, still, a ton to play for uh, to the end of the season, right? Uh, the new rankings came out. Indiana drops to 26, so they're right there still. Iowa at 19, Wisconsin at 14. Michigan moves up two and is at number 12. Minnesota drops four spots to number 11. Penn State maintains at number nine, and the Buckeyes are number two. Playoff rankings uh, pretty much are, are very similar. Buckeyes at number two, and those those top six spots are really the only ones that matter, right? Um, I love how, and here's the funny, uh, this is great guys. I love how it's not even Badger fans complaining about how Michigan is ahead of them in the polls, even though Wisconsin did own us earlier in the season, but don't forget rankings are, are all about the here and now here and now and how you are playing present day. I think we play Wisconsin right now. We win that game. Honestly, uh, now, now you may ask, would you be appalled by this? Would you be appalled by this? Who, who? Who would be appalled by this? Not me. I mean, it is. It's all about who's playing or how they're playing right now, right? Oh, but wait, you guessed it. It's our old rival, Sparty. And speaking of which, let's get in to this week's rival annoyance. Okay, so for literally, uh, for literally the entire, entire Rich Rod and Brady Hook area, we had to hear how us Michigan fans need to get out of the past and quit reliving the glory days of Michigan football. It's over. That was the past. MSU is currently the best right now, and that is all that matters. All that matters is the present. This is all we have been hearing for years, right, Michigan fan? Years. Well, 
what goes around comes around because, hmm, the only bragging I've heard from Sparty fan is how good their coach used to be, right? Used to be. Oh, let's his accolades from, well, he won a Rose Bowl. We won a Rose Bowl a while ago. Michigan hasn't done that in years. We've played in the Big Ten championship game. Michigan hasn't done that yet. And we have won the Big Ten, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm, sounds like the past. Wait, wait. If current is all that matters, then please tell me how you're your team's current state is uh, what's our what's our current uh the game player are you excited about it are you excited about their current status i don't think this is one thing i can't this is one of the things i can't stand about msu fans is the hypocrisy you literally shame us for years about stating facts about the past now that your competition is back to where it should be all you have to talk about is the past and well enjoy your sub 500 teams for the next 10 years but hey you have that Big Ten championship to look back on, right? And even then, no one nationally anyway wanted to watch Michigan State football. So quit living in the past, Sparty. I'm going to pull that out on you. Quit living in the past. I guarantee you the Sparty fans that are stating, uh, these Sparty fans that are stating that they would rather win a Big Ten championship once every 10 years and have some bad seasons in between are just using that as a cop-out because they know that it is going to be bad for more than 10 years to come, right? And this last weekend was just a preview of that, shardy. Enjoy your next 10 years and welcome back to looking forward to basketball season at the start of October. It's just ridiculous. And uh, yeah, folks, that's my rival annoyance for this week. All right, after I calm down, let's get into... Topic six, and that is the Indiana game preview. Seattle with a nice, definitely cannot be overconfident against Indiana, especially in Indiana. You're absolutely right. Let's get into that right now. So it is the dreaded yearly trap game, right? The yearly trap game this Saturday, 3.30 Eastern time on ESPN. That's right. The Wolverines are heading to Bloomington to take on the Hoosiers. We all know what that means. Always a close game, regardless of the records. And sometimes the most, sometimes sadly, the most exciting game of the season for for it not being a rival game. Uh, Michigan comes in as only a seven point favorite right now with a seventy seven percent chance to win. Let's look. Uh, let's look at uh, some of the head to head stats right now, and that uh, they're 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 very similar points per game. Michigan at thirty three, Indiana at thirty three point three points allowed per game. Sixteen point four for Michigan, twenty one point four. For Indiana total yards, Indiana's winning 448 to 397.6 for Michigan. Yards passing, they're having 314 yards a game while we're at 235. Yards rushing, we hold the edge at 161 to 133. And yards allowed, again, 261 for Michigan. They've really stepped it up the past couple games. And Indiana at 316. So definitely Indiana's downfall is definitely that defense and uh, Michigan has struggled on the road with Harbaugh, and Indiana has been uh, was one of the best teams that they have had. Uh, Indiana has one of the best teams they have had in years. They have won literally every game that they were supposed to win this year, so good for them. My good buddy uh, K-Fed, Kevin Jinkson, is a huge Hoosier fan, born and raised in Indiana and graduated from IU, so I always enjoy coming out on uh, coming out on uh, winning the, the winning at the end of this contest, which we have done 23 straight times, right? But like I said, almost every game I remember has been right down to the wire, uh, with with a few exceptions. So this one this one should be fun, folks. M factors for the game: 
score first, score first. That I cannot reiterate that enough. We're going to have to score first. We are going to have to get out ahead. We cannot spot these guys. Uh, we cannot spot these guys uh, any more points than than we we can. Right. Uh, same thing with against Ohio State. Um, we I, I want to get into the house gate game um, uh, in a bit. Actually, let's do that right now. Sorry, I skipped that real quick. But uh, I, I don't want to look past Indiana. But I really want to get into that Ohio State game because uh, that was part of the uh, part of the uh, intro. But uh, I don't want to look past Indiana. We'll talk about them here right after this. But uh, right now we are one win away from sweeping our rivals. That's right. We have to. We have beat two of our three rivals so far in Iowa and. Notre Dame, right, folks? <laughs> Kidding, of course, but only kind of. Michigan has been playing well since the second quarter of Penn State. They have outscored their opponents 148-238. Fantastic. Two of those games were against rivals, two on the road. Again, the last three quarters at Penn State were won by Michigan in terms of total yardage and the score, for that matter. Only one turnover, and that was a fumble last weekend against Shardy uh, in these in these uh, last uh, last what uh, 17 quarters or 15 quarters pardon me uh michigan has proved improved week by week players are starting to get it shea patterson play has improved offenses adapting game to game running against notre dame and then passing against msu as we alluded to earlier defense holding ground only 31 points allowed by them in the last 15 quarters don't forget that one touchdown was on special teams against maryland and finally we are protecting the ball protecting the ball that's key that's key those turnovers Problem, as what I see, as Michigan improves, so does Ohio State. It's a big problem, right? And when both of you seem to be equally improving, it's kind of going on this upward trend, right? But when one team has started the season right here and you start right here, you don't really gain any ground on them. That's, that could be a problem, folks. Ohio State still seems to be on a whole nother level than anyone else in the Big Ten. So they've, they here a couple stats on them. They've scored above 55 times this year, over 70 twice, and haven't allowed double-digit points in five games. And most of the points have been against their their second-string defense. So who knows? They might have had a bunch of shutouts. Uh, we we can't really tell. So Michigan goes into Indiana and can prove that they can play consistently from start to finish and basically win convincingly, which they they never do against Indiana. Uh, then at least gives, that at least gives me a little confidence at a shot at beating Ohio State, which I'll, I'll take it. You asked me a month and a half ago, and uh, I, I would have said it's a blowout, which I think I did right here on the show. So I'm rather happy to be sitting here and saying that I I think most experts agree uh, that they, they kind of have a shot now. They have to prove that they can get off to a quick start like they did against ND because there is no chance of winning if they spot Ohio State 7 to 10 points first. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, that game right now, especially with how we're playing. But again, we can't skip Indiana. So we'll get right back to that and scoring first against Indiana because we're going to have to do that against Ohio State as well. CRL says uh, no first quarter turnovers. Of course, 100% agree. <laughs> That's my next point, actually. Again, win the turnover battle. Win the turnover battle, and I think we'll be fine against Indiana. And again, can Shea play well on the road? He really hasn't played well on the road. Harbaugh hasn't coached well on the road, but they're playing very well, very, very well. So let's see if they can get, you know, I, I consider this a big road win for them. And Michigan fans always travel well, especially to Indiana. So figure, uh, and uh, K-Fed, if you're watching, you might be able to help me out with this. But uh, figure, a, I'll go a 65-35 ratio. Indiana, 65% fans. 
and then Michigan probably at about 35%. There'll be a lot of maize and blue in the stands. Uh, my prediction, Michigan, 24-17 in a nail-biter. Now, a lot of people, you know, he said I say win convincingly. Um, I just want them to control the game. Uh, the final score, again, you know, they controlled the game against Penn State for three quarters but ended up losing, right? Uh, I just want them to control the game, get out of there with a win, escape, and get ready for the big one, of course, and that would be the Ohio State over Thanksgiving weekend. So, folks, sadly, we are out of time. I apologize this one went a little longer, but thanks again for your participation this glorious Wednesday night. I want to thank everyone for watching. And if you missed it, make sure, or you know someone that did miss it, make sure to tell them to uh, listen to it on, uh, listen to it while they're tailgating or driving. Uh, and to get in the mood, you can always uh, catch it on the podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to give us that five-star rating. Be sure to share this episode on Facebook. I really appreciate it. And uh, really share share all the episodes on Facebook so we can get everyone's thoughts and opinions. We really want a variety of them. I really appreciate everything, guys. Don't forget to tune in this Saturday, 3.30 Eastern Time on ESPN for the game. I can guarantee it is going to be an entertaining one at the very least. Uh, have a great and safe weekend, everyone. I am Adam Amble, and this is the M Factor. Thanks again, and go blue.